Hi and welcome to the Adelaide Horror Podcast. It's your host, Zombie Joe. Tonight's episode is number 19. It's a vampire horror and I'm going to be covering David Slade's 2007 30 Days of Night, which is the graphic novel adaptation by Steve Niles, which was done in 2004. I picked 30 Days of Night as my vampire movie to review because I have a lot of vampire movies in my collection. This one was a bit harder to pick for because I've got a lot of flagships. Uh, and I was kind of like, oh man, like it's it's a harder genre to pick because it's been heavily, um, a lot of movies have been done on vampires and the vampire lore. They've done a lot of experimentation with with vampires and how they behave and and stuff like that. So yeah, it was it was an interesting one to to kind of sit down and go right. This is the one that really really kind of did it for me so i just followed the basic formula for ahp i look, took all the flagship vampire films that everyone thinks of immediately or that i would recommend to someone to watch if they haven't seen a really good vampire film kind of went through the process and 30 days of night was the one that won it because uh this movie when it came out really knocked my socks off when i saw it at the cinema I watched it during the week. I think I grabbed a 10.30 or an 11 a.m. session. It was no school holidays, so basically had the whole movie theatre to myself. And pretty much midway through this film, when it when the shit kind of really hit the fan and all the vampires kind of came out, I was just really impressed. Um, visually, you know, the camera work, everything, the acting, the whole works. Like, it was just a great movie. And, it, and I just, by the end of the film, I was like, man, I've got to own this film when it comes out. Um, and like I said, that's really rare for me to, to see a film and get, just get that excited about it and go, nah, I need to buy this. So that's why 30 Days of Night won it uh, for this today's episode. So briefly before I get into that, um, I thought I'd, I'd looked at where it all started for me. And I thought, okay, like with vampires, it's, it's a funny thing. You actually get introduced to a vampire very early in your life without twigging. And what I mean by that is this guy, the Count. Uh, he was my favourite character on Sesame. Yes, I bought, I, I stole my kid's prop. <laughs> well, she's a fan of the Count too, so it runs in the family. Anyway, uh, you know, the Count. This is the guy. He taught me how to count. But the the funny thing was, is the thing that I liked about the Count, how he looked, how he sounded. He was different than every other Muppet on the um on the thing i mean i was a big fan of smith the snuffle up i guess but it's you know that aside he had a cool prop like if you looked i don't know i can't speak for how it is now but they don't ha i can't see his castle anymore when i was a kid he had a castle he there was the whole zoom into this castle in transylvania the castle looked weird so that got my attention and then inside the prop was the, you know, uh, the organ. He had these little bats flying around, uh, you know, the ah, ah, ah. And then the like, you know, the thunder in the background and then the lightning and, and stuff. So his, that was more visually engaging for me as a kid. And I was kind of like, who is this guy? Like kind of thing. And just made, just, I was just intrigued by him. Um, so outside of Sesame Street, I then got introduced to another vampire as a kid called Duckula. So that was from the UK. Um, basically, it's it's funny. It's a funny little cartoon. I like it. I'd, I've watched a couple of episodes, and um, again, you know, quite a while back, but just for nostalgia, and it's so good. It's a it's a real nostalgia little 
fun bag. Um, it's cute and it's fun, you know, so it was great. So as I was, I was, I was a little bit older as a primary school kid, I enjoyed Duckulo. And basically, instead of in the ritual, <laughs> instead of being given blood, he was given tomato sauce. So it made him a vegetarian. It was just, it was just funny. And uh, it comes from a long line of vampires, so now he's the only one that's a vegetarian. So he's kind of like this good guy kind of thing. And they run around and have little adventures. You know, it, it's, it was good. It was really good. It was a good time. And so that was Duckula. So that was that introduction to vampires that way. And still not really scary. It was it was the monster squad that, that made me go, hold the coffin lid. What's going on here? Like, because Dracula in this was a predator straight up. Like, he wanted to fucking mang on everybody. Like, he he wasn't he wasn't friends to the humans. He we were food to him. Uh, he wanted to bring about completely like the like hell and raise everything up to the ground. Like, Earth was his target. You know, everyone, all the humans were, you know, were were going to die. Like, he was. So I was, I was thinking, whoa, 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 like, what's going on with, like, Dracula and vampires? Like, the fuck? Like, I, I kind of, that was the point where I was like, whoa, okay. So I really could have gone either way. I could have gone, oh, shit, okay, vampires are bad. I don't like them. And then, and that was it. For me, I was like, wow, damn, I've got to research a bit more about the vampires. Like, I really, I really like, I love the Monster Squad. So it, it, all the creatures in this. And again, like mum kind of said in passing, well, if you like this, you're going to like the Universal Monsters. My mum liked the Universal Monsters. That's as close to horror as she's going to get. So um, she got okay, I'll show you Ben Lugosi's Dracula. So after Monster Squad, uh, mum, I sat down and watched Ben Lugosi's Dracula. So it was black and white. Um, I was a kid. You know, being a kid, you don't appreciate it, like, kind of thing. And I was kind of thinking, oh, this is not really scary at all. Like, I had, like, zero, it was zero nightmare fuel for me. It was black and white. I was I was almost falling asleep through it. Like, and I was like, what is this? Like, he's, I know, he, like, he's not really attacking anyone. Like, he's, he's, he's weird. Like, he's in the dark all the time. And, you know, he's being a vampire. He's preying on people. But I just, I didn't click. It didn't get to me, you know. And uh, I was like, okay, like, so that's that's what I think. So what what then happened was I was more drawn to literature. So visual books or cartoons or comics or anything that had a vampire in it, it got my attention. And so that's how I kind of started to learn about, you know, books for kids based on what monsters are, folklore, all that kind of stuff. That's how I learned about Dracula. That's how I learned about the vampires. And I went, wow, like, that's pretty cool. So I kind of got into the genre that way, like, and, you know, started following vampires and that kind of stuff. At the same time, in the mid to late 80s, Fright Night came out. So it was kind of like this, you know, massive exposure. So Fright Night came out. I remember the promotional poster for this. As a horror collector now, I would absolutely love that cardboard cutout. Holy shit, that would be so expensive. But it would be amazing. As the kid walking into the video shop, no appreciato. <laughs> like, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, oh my God, I want to sleep tonight. The fuck is this? Like, and I just came face to face with this, like, giant cardboard cutout of the, the smiling, terrifying, wide mouth 
grinning woman, you know, and uh, her hair was just, and the white clouds, if you looked, were like demons coming out and other vampire stuff. And I was like, fuck, you know, I was, I could, I could read English good at that point. So <laughs> it was like Fright Night. I was like, shit, like, you know, so uh, yeah, every time I walked into the video shop and I checked, every time I went through that door, I thought, yep, yeah, that fucking cardboard cutout's there. Like, so I'm looking at the ground, like as I was walking in, I'd look at the ground, you know, uh, not not looking at that. And uh, so I'd walk past, and funnily enough, the poster I didn't want to look at, right? But for, you know, when you're a kid and you got that weird, you're scared, but you got that weird fascination at the same time. You got to look at something that's got to scare the shit out of you, and you know it's going to scare the shit out of you, but you got to do it anyway. So that was kind of what was happening with um, with the other the VHS titles. So I'd walk past the horror section to get to the kids, you know, and you know, family entertainment section. And so you'd come, you know, six shelves high 50 films across you know and you've got all these vhs titles you know of these classic horror movies that we all know and love now as horror fans but as a kid like you're looking at these titles and you're just like fuck like you know the evil dead uh you know evil dead 2 uh, with the with the grinning skeleton with the eyeball looking at me and I was like how the fuck like as, <laughs> such a nerd as a kid I was like how is his eyeball still in his skull like I was looking at it, I was like what I was like oh it's still creepy though I don't like it so uh, sleepaway camp was another was another classic like you know I'd look at the sneaker with the boa knife going through and I was like oh shit that's gonna hurt you know being a dumb kid I was like fuck's sake but as an adult I was like great movie like we've we've all gone to love the cult movie that it is but like as a kid i was like i didn't get the the title picture i was like oh shit um and and so on and so on so saw that and then i came with looking at all these titles i then saw the front cover for salem's lot and salem's lot got me on two things one the bold giant vampire thing sticking up with its hands in the air and you know and then underneath salem's light the word salem which i read later in the book is short for jerusalem's light but like it's the word the just the word fascinated me i thought what a weird word like and i was like salam salam like i couldn't pronounce it properly and i was like what is this movie and um hang on be too loud it's, I've, I've, I've been having some fun with the traffic noise tonight anyway so the um yeah Jer jerusalem's like the the salem's like kind of title really really kind of fascinated me from that and that kind of you know marinated in the back of my head for a while until i saw the preview of this in another video that my dad was watching another horror film and, and I saw the preview of it and it scared the shit out of me and I was like, okay, I'm fucking not watching this movie <laughs> like until I'm older. Holy moly. So I was I kinda remembered that that movie. <clears throat> so Fright Night I saw it a, a short for that, a preview for through the other VHSs that you get and uh, and I was like like and, and that the woman jumps out again and i was just like the fuck you know it freaked me out 
so that burned into my brain you know two scary vampire movies you know, you know salem's lot fright night you know just burned into my mind and then and then lost boys so i thought okay like so i said i asked if i could watch lost boys parents straight out veto on that one because uh, i thought okay i could i could watch and dad's like nah and mum's like nah so i thought okay I'll wait until I'm older to watch that one. So, you know, Lost Boys add to the list of uh, marinating and waiting to, to watch it when I could, when I was old enough. The next one that came out was um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now, I just was like, nah. Because Luke Perry, well, the late Luke Perry, Luke Perry at the time I associated with 90210. And I was like, well, this is for chicks. Like, forget it. Like, this is, you know, the 12 slash 13 year old was just like, nah, nah, this is for chicks. Like, no way, I'm not, I'm not watching this. Uh, and, and, you know, my folks are like, well, it's got vampires in it. Like, you know, it can't be. And I said, nah, nah, it's for girls. No. Nah. <laughs> so, you know, that, that kind of, I kind of just went, nah, fobbed it off. Wasn't interested in watching it. Bram Stoker's Dracula, however, came out. I was like, I want to watch that. And both parents were like, uh, hell to the no. So I was kind of stuck, you know, I was like, damn, you know, I kind of uh, I, I tricked myself. So when I was having a sleepover with uh, a friend from school, he had an older sister and the older sister on two occasions, one had Brum Stroker's Dracula in it and the other time had Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer first. I walked past and there was a funny scene with uh, Pee Wee Herman and he was doing that death thing where he's like got the stake and ah, and then looks at her and then ah, you know. I thought the whole sequence was hilarious and over the top. I was, I was like, what's this? And she goes, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm like, what? Like, so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, can I watch it after you? And I was like, okay. So I went back, said to my friend, hey, can we check out Buffy the Vampire Slayer? He goes, yeah, I wanted to watch it, but I thought maybe you didn't want any. So I thought, no, anyway. So we checked it out, and I really dug it. I thought, wow, what a fucking great movie. And then I was kind of, that was when I learned, okay, I can't, like, judge a movie. Like, I can't be that stupid. Like, I kind of kicked myself going, I was just too judgy about this film because of how they how they advertised it. I think it was, but if you look at the front cover and the design of it, it is very girl-orientated. Like, it is, it's the teen girl preteen it's it's that's who it was aimed at um so you know that's why it didn't grab me but you know it was really happy when i watched it and i said yeah i'm gonna own this when i when i can because this was a really cool film i really dug it i enjoyed the whole premise of it and then we watched the other time i went to sleep over again um was bram stroker's dracula like they they owned it and uh watched that and it freaked me out i wouldn't say i wouldn't go as far as to say that it terrified the shit out of me but it freaked me out and i to the point where i really liked how it freaked me out and the whole thing i thought wow this is ex this would be the book you know this is what the book's about so it kind of got me interested in reading the Bram Stoker's novel so that's when i sat down and had a crack at trying to read it like and uh i did a not bad i didn't go all the way through like i mid, made it midway through but i thought like look i watched a movie I, I now know the gist of the book kind of thing and that's how it was it wasn't until later many years down the track i actually sat down and read the novel so um yeah 
So Bram Stoker's Dracula, the movie, uh, that thing. Then there was a bit of a gap, and then Interview with a Vampire uh, came out with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Now, funnily enough, and it's all about perception, how this thing's advertised, because I distinctly remember I was allowed to hire this. Like, I think basically it had Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, and it looked a bit softer, like how it was advertised on the poster. So that's probably why it got a green light to hire it. Um, and I really dug it too. Like, I, I liked the whole premise of imagine if you could sit down and interview someone that was that old, that, that was a vampire, and he told about his life, you know, and all the stuff they did and, you know, the experiences and witnessing historical events and that kind of stuff. So that kind of interested me in that way. And then the, just the the... The film, the periodic pieces that it was set in, like seeing different times and all this kind of stuff, and this guy's not getting older, you know that kind of, and I just really dug it, and and that's why uh, Interview with a Vampire kind of came um, in as well. Then in '96, um, left high school and um, Dust Till Dawn uh, came out. Now, being a Tarantino head. I was just like, fuck, you got to be kidding me. Tarantino's done a vampire movie. Like, holy shit, Merry Christmas. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, went to, I got my ass straight to that movie theatre and I was just fucking blown away. Like, I just loved this movie. The music, the Tarantino dialogue, the comedy at the start, Selma Hayek in the bikini, holy shit. I was just like, okay. So at this point, I was like, "Rightio, like this is this is the movie for me," and uh, ticked all the boxes. Seventeen-year-old Joe was just in his element, and um, yeah, it just it was, it was fucking awesome. Um, and then right at the end, where you kind of see the titty twister, the the strip show part at the front, the front building, and then the ancient Inca temple at the back. I just, it kind of, it ticked the box as the horror nerd, but it ticked the box as, as the, uh, as the, as the history nerd as well. And I was like, fucking shit, how good is that? Well, it was like this, like, you know, sacrificial temple at the back, you know, with the stairs. And then, the, you know, you've got the guttering system next to it where all the blood used to run down. And then around it was like, it was a really, it was my favorite shot because the picture spoke like so many stories like how long this place has been there for well you know the inca one is enough to say that it's been there for a thousand years but the all the equipment around it the by the people they've fed off you know so it starts with a wagon wheel in the corner then like a forward tea bucket car from the 20s and then it just goes down to all the decades to you know trucks and stuff to the front and then to the, eventually to the building so uh i really loved that visual i thought that was so cool and so that that movie ticked the box for me um is one of my favorites too so right when this happened you had the amazing tv show buffy the vampire slayer with sarah michelle geller holy moly to say that i was a fan would be a massive understatement i was a fucking tragic like it was i was all in all in on this tv show i don't think i've ever been in on a tv show 
before, this show, I fucking, I'm not joking, was my life. Like, uh, 97, 2003, I mean, I've got the books i've got the the figurines you know the whole the whole kit i still got the books um that so the books are meant by the tv show omnibus this thick-ass thing that was a series companion that would just feed you everything about the show then the actual novels like there was side stories as well so that was like the fiction novels i collected all of them and was reading all of them uh, and then, yeah, the TV show. So basically what would happen was I would, uh, I'd have three hour videotapes that I'd go to Cunningham's, Cunningham's Warehouse, two door. And, uh, yeah, go down there, grab the three hour videotapes and I would record the episode, but I'd sit and I'd press pause on the VCR. So then that way the commercials would happen. And then as the TV advertising commercial would come on, that was my cue to get back in front of the TV and press unpause and it would start recording. So I did this and I think it's, it's either 26 or 36 three hour VHS tapes, still at my mum's house. No Buffy, no commercials, just bang, bang, episode, 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 episode. To the point where I'd work out, like if I was able to do the next one or I didn't film anything, and I just started a new tape. So that, because heaven forbid, I started an episode and a cut midway through. Holy shit. Like, oh, I was that intense. That just wasn't going to happen for me. So uh, it's I'm still amazing now that I go to Big W and Target and the box sets are still selling for over 100 bucks. And it's, and it's, I'm like, mate, drop the price. Like, oh shit. <laughs> just all these box sets. And all that they started off in the hundreds, and they've all gone down to nearly forty bucks. Not not Buffy, still fucking a hundred and something bucks. I'm like, holy moly, like it's really, it's really hanging in there price wise. It's amazing, and Angel as well. So speaking of Angel, nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and four, uh, that was that was also a show that I was heavily into. Um, if you can imagine this not being on my face and on the top of my head when I actually had hair, I had the leather jacket, I had the wide collared sleeve shirt, I had the Irish love ring upside down like Angel, I had my hair styled up like is in the angel hair, I used to call it the angel hair, like man, if, and then there was a valiant. There was a black Valiant. I swear to God, I was going to buy this Valiant and cut it into a convertible, like Angel's, like Angel's car. I was, like I said, I was a fucking tragic, and uh, I really dug the show. Didn't want to be like Angel. I just liked the style, like that he had, and so that was, you know, I look back at it now and laugh, and you know, it was good, good times. Could have been into worse shit. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was. That's what influenced me and what I really enjoyed and stuff like that. So that was cool. So once all that went around, then we had Dracula 2000 came out with Gerard Butler. And I was, well, mixing up my pop singers at the time. I thought it was Jewel. It was actually Vitamin C. That was, <laughs> I had to research that. I didn't even know who the fuck that was. And uh, I was like, oh my God. So she, and it's an adaptation, a modern adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula so I thought okay cool so I, I really liked it and I liked the I liked Gerard Butler's character like what who Dracula was originally 
Like that's that's the spin twist that they went with that character, and I really dug it. I loved it. Like why he doesn't like silver and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was cool. Um, really enjoyed it when he attacked the boat, like the ship coming across to America. I thought it was fucking awesome. Like the just visually, music wise, like it was it was just really well apart from vitamin C. But uh, I gotta say, if I have to go. If I have to die at the hands of a vampire, I was going to go... I would go Selma Hayek's character from Dust Till Dawn. The Three Brides from Dracula 2000. And Aaliyah from Queen of the Damned. <laughs> like, if that was like, right, I'm going to get turned into a vampire by these girls, absolutely, go ahead. Uh, you know, holy moly, like, major crushing. Major crushing on all these girls. Uh, back in the day so yeah Dracula 2000 was really good in that sense and then yeah Queen of the Damned uh, came out 2004 so Anne Rice was kind of you know uh, on my radar I never really read her books but I, I was aware of Interview with the Vampire Queen of the Damned it still follows Lestat but it was um, another actor that played Lestat um, in this so, and I'm, I'm forgetting his name now, so I apologise about that. Uh, it'll probably pop up and I'll say it when I remember it. But, um, yeah, bit of a problematic character outside of filming, but I won't get into that. Uh, yeah, anyway. So, Queen of the Damned. Now, this was, this was filmed, if I'm not mistaken, in Australia, in Queensland, because there's a lot of that Australian actors popping in with American accents. In, in this and um, yeah so it was it was I, I didn't mind it I thought it was actually quite good but like I said Aaliyah completely just blew my socks off unfortunately she passed away uh, she's the same age as me um, yeah well I, th I think about it now I'm thinking far out imagine what she could have gone on to have done um, she, you know music wise yeah she was pretty decent but you know acting wise she was pretty good and uh, yeah I was I was. I think it was actually this. This movie outside of Gladiator was the other one where they had to use another person with that CG stuff to fill in for her because she died mid-film. Um, what I can recall, so they had a bit of a hard time trying to get someone to come in, or they tried to digitally put her face on someone else to finish the scenes off. Um, what I can remember. So yeah, that was a bit bit sad about that. But Queen of the Damned, the movie was was really really good. I really dug it. Uh, the whole um, premise of that film. Then a bit of a then some comedy. Like well, actually no, sorry. Before the comedy was there was another movie that I really dug and what I called the Velvet Underground of vampire films, and that was the only lovers left alive. And uh, I really liked it. I liked Tilda in this one. I liked the premise. It was pretty cool. Uh, it was that that bohemian kind of rock, you know. And really, they were the the last lovers lovers left alive. And I just I, I really dug the the film, the angle that it was kind of coming from, and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, that that was pretty cool. Uh, then after that was. Um, at the same time, there was two. There was the funny one, and then there was the not-so-funny one. And the not-so-funny one is from Iran. I was actually really impressed. It was a girl uh, walks alone, home alone at night. I still get tripped up on that one. Really good Iranian film. 
funny enough, well, not funny enough, bad choice of words. Interestingly enough, at the same time, there's another, it's on Netflix, and I'm trying to remember the title of it, but it's another Iranian film. It's set during the war, and it's about a family that's hiding away from a bombing raid that's occurring during the war, but the house is possessed by a demon, and the demon's actually trying to possess them while they're trying to hide, and it adds this element of other tension and horror to already a a war, horroric, um, horrific situation. So I thought that was very interesting. Amazing movie. Like, say, a lot of people aren't fans of reading or watching a film with subtitles in it. I'm used to it being from a non-speaking family background. I'm used to checking out subtitles all the time, so that doesn't bug me. But, you know, other people that aren't really exposed to subtitles kind of get the shits on when they have to watch a foreign movie. I mean, if you can kind of put that aside, you'd really enjoy this film. Like, I really, really liked it. So, it's on Netflix. Unfortunately, I can't remember the title. I do apologise. If you skip through, if you go through the horror section and they've got those previews on the screen and then the, the movie choices underneath, you'll see a woman holding a child looking up almost at you. And, and, and like I said, it's it's in the horror section and it's uh, it's set in the, in the uh, Persian War kind of thing the um it's syrian or uh, iranian um yeah so that one the girl who walks home alone i'd really i heard a lot of i know it's a graphic novel i haven't read the graphic novel so um the illustration for that on the title wasn't interesting enough for me just how they it was drawn like i, I thought wow okay that's that's a unique way of, a unique style so that kind of got my attention and then I watched the movie. I really liked the premise and I thought, wow, this is this is a this is a, an amazing movie like, you know, a Middle Eastern film, female protagonist attacking guys. Like, you know, like not being a victim to, to like the female being stronger in this movie. So this was a bit of a, a fuck you statement to that culture. Uh, and that's that's what I really dug about it as well. If you take the vampire stuff aside, that's really what it's about. And uh, that's why I thought that was pretty cool. I was really impressed that they came out with that movie, and I thought good on them for for chucking that film out, and good on the actress as well for for her performance too. It was really really good. So definitely check that one out. That was that sort of thing. Um, the funny one after that, New Zealand's divinest fucking vampire film is I just. This is my Napoleon Dynamite, right? So, what we do in the shadows. Now, there's also the TV show, which I heavily recommend. It is fucking hilarious. It's just really, really good. This movie, like I said, it's like my Napoleon Dynamite. So, if I'm having a super, super shit day, and these are like my antidepressants, I put on Napoleon Dynamite and what I do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows, not what I do in the shadows. I don't think anyone needs to know that. Um, fuck, I, I tell you, by the end of this, I'm just, I'm in tears, it's, I'm pissing myself, whatever had bugged me has gone, it, it's, like I said, it's like my natural antidepressant, it's, it's so good, very, very funny, very unique, uh, and yeah, like I said, spawned off a, a, a TV show uh, as well, but also, uh, a spin-off show, uh, Wellington Paranormal. Check that. Fuck, that's funny. It's two, just the two cops. And it's about them after uh, what we do in the shadows. So after investigating the vampires, they go out and they 
finding people eaten by werewolves to finding ghosts, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's a great TV show. It's really funny uh, as well. So, yeah, definitely, definitely recommend uh, on that one. Then there was Blood Vessel in 2020. Now, this one was like mid midway through the film. I was just like, fuck, I've got to know. I've got to own this movie. This is an amazing film. I loved it. Like, absolutely loved it. So, um, yeah. Blood Vessel, it's set in World War... I, I covered it in the last episode... Uh, in the war episodes, I think, episode six. I did a review on it. Um, so it's as my war horror picture at the same time. Um, I think Ghosts of War had come out at the same time, but I hadn't seen it, so I was a bit reluctant in reviewing that one as the as the war horror movie. So um, I, I went and picked Blood Vessel because it just really impressed me um, how it was. This movie's fucking like, first off, the most medalist fuck coffin I've ever seen in my life. And I was just like, this is what I want to get buried in. <laughs> like, I know the fam the rest of my family's going to hate it. Like, but that, that's, that's what I want to get buried in. That, it, that is just the most impressive coffin I've ever seen. Um, two... The, it's the whole Strogoi thing that I really, really like. Like this is, and outside of the Strand, yeah, the TV show, there's there's a I think that's a graphic novel as well, uh, and then adapted into a TV show, and that was really, really good. And that was all about the Strogoi and and all that kind of stuff, and uh, that it was a virus that yeah, it was fucking amazing. Anyway. The Strigoi's uh, are mentioned again in this one here. So the whole vampires that come out are more bat-like, like when they did... Oh, man, it's so good. Um, and this whole experiment that went wrong on the ship, and it's just... Oh, man, it's so, so, so good. So that's another vampire recommendation uh, from my list. So definitely, definitely check those out um, as well. A very late to the party. Now, subspecies from 1991. Now, this was... I remember this poster as a kid. Like, well, not as a kid, 92. So I was 11, going on 12 when this movie came out. I remember the woman being carried by the little demons. And then in the corner was the was the vampire guy, um, Barlow. We, uh, Orlo? Orlo, I think. Count Orlo. Orlov. Orlo. Can't remember now. It sounds very close to Marlo, who we're going to be talking about in 30 Days of Night review. But um, he, yeah, it's all about a bloodstone. That's the other one that I was kind of tossing whether I'd do this as the review for the for the show. But um, it spawned off like I think of four or five sequels sequels to the to the film franchise. Um, like I said, started in the early 90s, uh, went into the 2000s, like the early 2000s, and um, yeah, it's just it's just this series that follows the Count and uh, his his devotion to to you know making everyone succumb to him and all this kind of stuff. And it was the the whole premise was really good. It was kind of set back in Transylvania, so it went back to the original kind of stuff. You know, these people accidentally come across him, uh, you know, this kind of stuff. And 
yeah, look, I just really dug the premise, but the poster was what stood out for me. Like, and, and when I went to go and check it out, I was just really, really dug it. I haven't seen all the films, so I can't go heavily into the TV, uh, the movie series. I've, I've seen one and two, and that's left me interested enough to watch three and four. But like I said, I'm time poor, so I'm just trying to work into watching it, you know. Cool. So that they're kind of my horrible mentions for vampire films and and why I picked the vampire lore and why the vampire lore outside of um, zombies is kind of my jam kind of thing as well. So yeah. Anyway. So I hope that's. But yeah, like I said, if you write to me, contact me um, at uh, the Facebook page or the um, Instagram messages or on the YouTube. Uh, comments and stuff you know what other vampire movies you recommend or if you want a bit more uh, detail or a review on on a, another vampire movie that i've mentioned you know give me a bell um and i'll i'll be happy to uh to help you out in that sense so cool okay 30 days of night now like i said this is uh, it was produced by Sam Raimi. It was made for $30 million and it grossed $39 million in the US alone. Uh, and this is purely because it got released at the right time. And it got released on the 19th of October 2007. So it's like a week to two weeks before Halloween. Would have wet the whistles of every single horror fan out there pre-Halloween. So it would have got everybody in the mood. And uh, so, and yeah, like I said, because it was such a full-on vampire film, it wasn't fluffy. There was no, like, these vampires were nasty. Uh, everyone would have just gone, man, what a fucking great movie. And they would have gone to see it again or, you know, stuff like that. So I, I'm not surprised that it did extraordinarily well. Um, and globally, it made $75 million. Um, Like I said, with a bunch of other producers, Sam Raimi produced it as well. Um, yeah, so... Directed by David Slade. Prior to this, he made Hard Candy uh, in 2005. He has done a Twilight movie. He did Twilight Eclipse in 2010 and then Nightmare Cinema in 2018. And he's also um, involved and produced with American Gods and Hannibal, so which is another great TV show. So it took three months to film. Uh, it was filmed in New Zealand. I don't know where, uh, whether it was in the North Islands or the South, uh, whatever one looked as Antarctic as possible. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to try and guess uh, which one, but they did a bloody good job, like making it look like uh, in uh, Antarctic, so very, uh, Alaska, I think, sorry. Um, they did a very good job doing that. Uh, the, the film it goes for an hour and 53 the action kicks off in 25 minutes, but pre to that, you've got this slow but steady gradual pickup. So it's like this jog and then into a full-on sprint. So you're, you're, it's got your attention the whole time. You're not going to be reaching and grabbing your phone in the middle of this. like you, Because if you do, you'll miss something. Like It's literally, you blink, you miss it. So it's got your attention. The storyline and the acting is that good. You're not going to tune out. like um, So very hard pressed if this happens so yeah the the cast for this movie was really really good too so you got josh hartnett now i liked him in this and this was him then leading on to um penny dreadful with eva green like this is this is where he kind of came into his uh kind of 
group. I don't. I never thought he was a bad actor. There's a lot of people that kind of shit on Pearl Harbor and they don't like him in the faculty and you know this kind of stuff. And okay, that's cool. That's your opinion. That's awesome. But, uh, for me, yeah, he, he he acted well in this one. So that that's where that's where I liked him in it. Um, I was good. So Josh Hartner plays Evan Olsen. Uh, he's married to Melissa. Uh, well, Melissa George, the Australian actress, uh, she plays uh, Stella Olsen. These two are married, but they're currently separated because they've had a um, a falling out. It's kind of hinted that the falling out is because uh, I think Stella wanted kids and he didn't. And so that's strained the marriage and they've kind of separated, but they're not divorced. They're not totally walking out on each other. But I think as viewers coming into the timeline of this movie, we got the the start of the fight kind of thing is when we've come into it. So it's pretty fresh. It's pretty raw. Everyone doesn't want to acknowledge it. So they're avoiding each other at this point. Manu Bennett is an Australian actor, plays Billy Kike, and he's, he's the Eben, um, Eben's partner, the deputy in this one. Uh, and then you've got Mark Rendell, who's a Canadian actor. He plays Jake Olsen. Um, Olsen. Stuff that one up. Uh, anyway, he's the older, he's the younger brother of Eben uh, in this movie. And then you got uh, Elizabeth um, Hawthorne, who's the New Zealand actress. She plays Lucy, and she's the grandparent. She's the grandma of the boys. So uh, then you got the town people, like the remaining people after the original group has left to go before this thirty days of night starts. Uh, the sun goes, a whole group of townspeople leave as well to go to the mainland, and then the remaining people, there's like a skeleton crew left to run the town while this is happening for 30 days. So once the bulk of the people leave, then you've got a small group that are left, that, that are left behind. So we've got Mark Boone Jr., so he's the American actor. Uh, he plays Bo. Uh, other people who have seen him on Sons of Anarchy would recognise him as either Elvis or King. I can't remember what his code name was with that one, but that, that was him in Sons of Anarchy. Uh, you've got Manu Bennett. Sorry. Uh, you've got uh, Joel uh, Tubek, who's an Australian. He plays Doug. Uh, you've got Craig Hall. He plays... Um, he's an Australian actor, plays Wilson. Then you've got Chip and... Uh, yeah, I forgot the last name, but he passed away. He's, he's passed away in 2015. And he plays a gentleman called Isaac, and that's um, Wilson's dad, and he has dementia in this film. And uh, Amber Sainsbury is Denise. So she's the survivor out of two other workers that were killed in the start of the thing, and she runs and meets up with the town people. So when initially the vampire stuff hits the fan, everyone kind of flocks to the diner and they hide in there. Like, they're, they're kind of all together in this diner when it's all happening. So, and she runs into the diner and meets up with everyone. So, there's that. Um, you've got the vampires themselves and then you've got the, the, the first introduction to the character of the movie, which is actually played by Ben Foster, who's an American actor. And at the same time as filming this was Three Temp to Yuma. That's, that's with Russell Crowe. So pretty much same face, same beard, hair, the works. They just took a cowboy hat off him and whacked on a uh, an Eskimo jacket 
and uh, that's him. You know, dried the shit out of his lips, made them all cracked, and that's it. That's that's the same guy. So you see him at the start. He's got a ship in the background. He's rowed to the well, shoreline slash sheath of ice that he's standing on, and he's heading towards this town. The thing about this scene is that his face, like, you, you look at this guy and he has seen some shit go down on this ship. Now, we don't, I'm assuming, it's not really explained, but I'm assuming the crew are all dead. The vampires run the, run the show. They've kept him alive to keep this ship going to this town. And they basically gave him the ultimatum, help us out and we'll help you out kind of thing. Uh, and he's kind of, you know, mixture of survival guilt. Why is it me that they chose? Um, he's terrified at the same time because he's just like, what if they kill me? And the third, uh, this is just my reflections, what I think he's feeling. And the third one is, you know, he's just shell-shocked. He's just, he's trying to process what has gone down. And he's just fumbling. He's just blindly, just like, you know, as a robotically going through what he's been told to do. But he's mentally checked out. Like, he's, he's completely checked out. So, yeah, that's just my reflections on him. And this is really the first character that you see um, when in the, in the start of the film. So you've got him. He comes to town. And he starts doing this kind of... Um, hijacking different things like and the the vandalism that he does is effective enough to shut the town down like to, to kind of cut its Achilles heel kind of thing so that you know collection of cell phones that are burnt you know and then the depth the um, even Olsen and his deputy go out to investigate this because it's weird at the same time he goes to town now this is a trigger warning for people that don't like animal cruelty or things with dogs or like myself, I hate animals and kids in horror films getting killed or hurt. Uh, it's just not my thing. I just don't like it. Um, so this, unfortunately, they killed the dogs. Now, in this scene, you see it off camera, but you're looking at the other dogs reacting to that dog, which I thought was fucking even worse. Uh, so <laughs> I had a bit of a hard time through that one. I forgot that that's what happened. So watching it again, I was just like, oh, like, you know, made my gut turn a bit. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of happened. So pre-trigger pre warning there. So skip before it happens. You see the dogs, you can skip it in time. You'll skip it for 15 seconds, you won't see it. Then there's another bit where the cops go to that scene and you see the aftermath, like all the dogs lying everywhere and it's pretty graphic. And so... It caught me out. I wasn't ready. I wasn't able to skip it in time. So I got to see all of it in all its bloody glory. So that was that was a bit another bit of a gut tuner, that one. So yeah, like I said, try and catch it before you can. You can skip it. So that's my trigger warning to everyone uh, that's um, sensitive to that. Uh, you don't see any kids being killed or hurt in this film you see them afterwards. So there's, you know, there's a girl that's a vampire kind of thing, but you don't see her getting killed or hurt in this one. So that's a bonus. She's already a vampire in this one. So that's that's that. Yeah, so this is kind of where um, uh, even meets up with um, 
with the stranger. Now he doesn't have a name. This is just what he is. Um, and he's he gets arrested, and um, Stella saves um, Evans' life in the in the diner because it's looking pretty intense. And she draws the gun on him uh, after coming back to the town because she missed her flight. So she was supposed to fly out with everyone else, hopefully avoiding this, you know, argument thing that went down with her uh, hubby. Uh, but it didn't work out that way, so she's awkwardly have to come back to the town uh, and have to deal with it, uh, the argument. And, uh, yeah, so she kind of comes into the diner when all this is happening with the stranger and, you know, draws the weapon and kind of saves the day kind of thing. And, um, yeah, the good thing about the writing in this is, yes, these two are having a fight. Uh, yes, there's awkwardness. There's tension between the two characters, but as soon as the vampire shit hits the fan, that stuff's out the door. You don't even... They just move on from that immediately, and they go into the professional first responder people that they are. Like, And that is what impressed me when I watched this movie again. I thought, Jesus, that's a fucking really good. Because what it could have gone down the trap of you know, oh, I'm not going to help him, and, you know, all the, you know, pissing on, because everyone's got the shits on with each other, and, you know, it leads them into, you know, puts the group in jeopardy, you know, this kind of stuff, everyone's being selfish, they're doing their own thing, and someone nearly gets killed because of them, and, you know, all that, doesn't do any of that, and that's what I really, really dug about this, and the writing, and that's what I thought was really good, they acted like first responders, they were like, okay, this is the shit situation we've got at hand. We've got to deal with it. We've got to protect ourselves and we've got to protect the townspeople. That's why we're here. And everyone was going to them going, what do we do? And they showed leadership. That was the other thing that I found really impressive with, um, with Evan's character. He's a young sheriff. Most movies, the sheriffs are like fucking 50 plus years old. They're veterans. They're hard as, you know, uh, he, he wasn't that he was a young guy. Like he's, he's, and he's kind of like, shit, I'm only just used to, you know, the guy getting drunk down the street and driving him back home, you know, like the country cop, like I'm not going to deal with you know, a group of freaking vampires tearing the asshole out of this town, like, you know, and I've got to deal with it, you know, people are coming to me and wanting my leadership, you know, so he had that leadership. At the same time that he had that leadership, if you paid attention, he was shitting himself the whole entire time. He didn't look confident fucking at all. Like, he was like, okay, I'm doing this. This is the procedural thing to do in this scenario. But I'm crapping myself at the same time. There was no diehard Bruce Willis thing. Like, he fucking was struggling, like, to, to hold his shit together, like, in these moments. And that's what I dug about it too. It was realistic. Like it was, it was, he was realistic because he was a young sheriff, put in a massive situation that was just so out of, like you know, so extreme, and uh, he had to pull his shit together. Like he, and he had to think about his wife. He had to think about his family. He had to think about his deputy, like his partner. He had to think about the townspeople that he grew up and cared about. Like there was a lot, like, and that he was that he was taking on. And so every time someone died or something happened, he really took it to heart, like, and you could tell, like, he, he so his acting was great, and, and his character was really well written as well, that's what I really liked about it, 
so like I said, these two kind of got on with the job like pretty much as soon as the vamps came out. Speaking of, uh, I will now talk about the vamps. Um, so you've got Denny Houston. He's a US actor. He plays Marlowe. He's the head of the group. And then you've got Megan uh, Franich, who's the New Zealand actress. Uh, she plays Iris. These two are connected. They're like married or they are alpha and the alpha female, alpha male uh, of the group. And then you've got the remaining other vampires. You've got Abby Wakefield uh, is the nine-year-old New Zealand actress that plays the girl vampire in the shop when she jumps out. Um, you've got Andrew Stalin, who's New Zealand actor. So his last name is S-T-E-H-L-I-N. He plays Arvind, uh, and he's the bold vampire. And then you've got John Rawls, so R-A-W-L-S, and he plays Zerul, so Z-U-R-I-A-L, the, the spelling B of this fucking show, Jesus. Anyway, um, I, when I first saw this movie, I actually thought he was Julian Richardson. Now, if you don't know who he is, he's the guy from, currently he's in Shudder um, in that movie, Anything for Jackson. Um, he's that skinny, gaunt guy with the parted black hair, very pointy features, you know. Uh, he was in the, the the TV adaptation of the Stephen King story, Kingdom Hospital, like way back in the early 2000s. Really great character, always into the, the scary stuff. I think it was in Buffy, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, a lot of vampire shows, that kind of stuff. So anyway, great act. Like, he was the guy from, actually, he was also the giggling mutant in... Uh, the wrong turn, the one with the with the overalls that cuts those girls' fingers off, like in the, it, yeah, it was really full on. Well, there was a lot of prosthetics on him, but that was who he is. Anyway, I thought it was him, and it's not. So this John Rawls, I can't get any info on the guy, so I don't know if he's Australian, New Zealand, you know, wherever. So which is a shame. Andrew, the guy that plays Arvin. I swear to God, if there was, like, a Vampire Employee of the Month award, this, this guy would fucking get it. He loves his job. <laughs> like, he, he had he had the biggest artery-eating grin I've ever seen in my life. He was, he every time he killed someone, he was, like, smiling about it. He, he just was covered in blood. The blood was dripping off him. You know, every time he jumps out, he's like, hey. Like, you know, all the still shots of him were just smiling with his eyebrows. Like, he just, fuck, he loved his job. And, <laughs> you know, you got to do it. you got to do it with a passion. And, uh, yeah, he was, holy moly, he was the creepiest out of all of them. He reminded me of the Australian-Italian comedian Joe Vardy. So if it was like if Joe Vardy or Pitbull, the rapper, became vampires, that's what they'd look like. Um, yeah, just amazing stuff, amazing stuff. But very creepy very scary in some parts as well. Uh, so yeah, no, he did. He was one. He was my favourite vampire out of all of them. And then, so Marlowe, they would communicate with these like words, clicking noises, and shrieks. They shrieked a lot in this film. Um, there was one really like moment was this. One of the girls comes running down the, and it was a trap. Like they were kind of getting her to lure the other survivors out. And this is how, like, calculating this group of vampires are. Like I said, 
forget this rainbow sprinkling in the sun shit. Like, they are straight out killers. Like, they are predators. They want to they wanna end us. We're just food to these guys, but they're having fun while they do it. Like, they are massively sadistic. And so they, of course, what they do, they push out the the surviving girl to run down uh, the, uh, I think she was injured, I can't remember, but they got her to run down the street calling out for help because they wanted to draw out the other survivors so they could eat them. And so she's going to help and help and, you know, and the other survivors like, we, we want to help, but we can't go out there because this is a trap. They're going to kill us. So they all have to sit and watch helplessly while this this person gets attacked and the vampires kind of come down and realize, okay, the, the trap, they're not falling for the trap. And so she says to Marlo, you know, oh my God, like this. And he kind of looks at her and he looks around, like he looks up at the sky and then looks at her. And I don't know, the thing that I found really scary in this scene was his eyes. They were, all the vampire eyes are just pitch black. They're just like shark's eyes. They're just, they're just lifeless, like, and they're just no emotion no nothing they're just black and cold and he's got these fangs out and he's drooling and he's looking around like almost mocking her going there's no god what god like you know and i thought shit what before you die you'd want at least some hope you know and he had to take that away from her as well and i was like fuck that's cold he's just like no god like you know and it was just even creepy how he said it because he had his word and accent for it so i was like wow that's that that visual for me was pretty powerful and i was like wow that's scary pretty scary so yeah um yeah that was so anyway um 30 days a night it's you got to keep in mind for this hour and 50 minute film it's days are going past not it's one night and then the dawn at the end like it's it's like days have gone through you can see they're getting more disheveled as the movie is going on their rations are going down that's why they have to go to the shop at one stage which causes issues in itself uh the other issue survivor issue that came out was um was isaac who has dementia and the character like wilson looking after his dad his dad's got dementia so as a past job looking after people with dementia his acting was spot on like he did he definitely did his research on uh, someone with dementia uh this dementia person could understand why one everyone was hiding in a fucking attic two what why they were getting attacked and attacked by who three while everyone was telling him to be quiet which was pissing him off like and he couldn't walk around so yeah they're confused enough but then when you've got people guiding what they have to do all the time they fight back on it it's like that kid reaction they have to fight everything the the no 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 that you give them and they've got to push back and unfortunately in a survivor situation like this someone is pushing back to those basic you know um rules that are keeping them alive and safe is dangerous it's a problem to the group and he's he's essentially a liability um and so eventually he ends up legging it uh out into the snow and his son has to chase after him which is you know the, the, an issue and danger in itself and you know so i i thought wow like what i was really impressed by that as well they chucked that kind of emotional element in that as well like they made the characters not one dimension they all 
had these feelings and family and these complicated situations to a to an already scary uh unbelievable situation that had happened and and that's why i was like wow this is why 30 days of night really stands out on itself because it just if you think about all these different things that are going on outside the vampire stuff it's quite a full-on you know like film and it was like i said it's just really well written well acted and like that's why i was just really impressed with this film and why i liked it so much so when um when it got down and all the vampire stuff was coming out and then the humans fall back that was that was pretty cool but the the majority of the film is just basically who's getting picked off the kind of last stand kind of thing against the vamps and then the sun rises you know the dawn happens that they've been hanging out for um and yeah so it's it's good like i said it's not a spoiler episode but I, it, this 30 days of night comes with a high recommendation from me to check it out um i think you can do it uh the youtube full movie thing uh if not it's definitely available on streaming services and you can go out and buy a copy as well online for a decent amount of money too it's not too expensive but i wouldn't recommend it to you if it was shit so for me it's definitely an 8 out of 10 for me um definitely go check it out it's uh, a definite for definite two stakes up for me so <laughs> so yeah that's great so i hope you enjoyed the episode uh sorry for the delay uh, as well i just haven't been able to catch a break with uh, the technologies have been busting my balls so uh yeah so i hope you enjoyed the show and uh it'll be another episode coming up sooner rather than the the massive month period uh that's been from the next one i hope you enjoyed uh the zombie bite episode with uh, lalia um currently at the moment her book uh, winter's maiden one uh is available if you go on the facebook group uh she's advertising now for her online book launch so definitely go check out that book. So if you're into paranormal romance, uh, that's quite of the book for you. Uh, check that out. Um, yeah, I've got other interviews lined up as well. Um, yeah, so all good. Cool. Thank you very much. Stay scary, and I'll see you in the crib.